Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, this is Dr. Drew, and you are listening to This Life with Bob Foy and Dr. Drew. Here we are. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, gather around the iPhone or the uh, appropriate other technologies and get ready for another episode of This Life with Dr. Drew and Bob. That's us, This Life, hashtag you live. Uh, find us on Twitter, Facebook, at Dr. Drew, uh, at Rehab Bob Forrest, where you can follow Bob, at This Life Podcast, and at First Lady of Love. Get on the email list at drdrew.com. Get all our weekly series, including the Opium series, which you should read. It tells you really how we got into this mess. I know you think it's all the drug company, but you, we put the whole thing together. For doctors, all we, doctors are involved. Uh, big time. <laughs> uh, we, at Dr.com, link to all the podcasts we do. Click on the Hydrolyte banner. These guys uh, are beyond the best. I love those guys. I love the hydration product. Uh, and uh, check, uh, check me and my lovely and talented co-host, Lawrence Savannah on KBC 790 Midday Talk. Uh, midday live and um, we're together noon to three pacific standard time on 790 in los angeles and kgo 870 in uh, san francisco we tune in also you can get the podcast at kbc.com or doctor.com and uh, get all the podcasts here from playroom pod at doctor.com as well also my catherine and i have a new podcast called swole patrol health and fitness podcast that people seem very interested in and please do tell a friend. We appreciate you being a part of this. Having said all that, here we are. Holy God. Man. Holy moly. Holy moly, man. So, you know what I've always wondered? Yeah. So, sometimes there's things I want to get when you're reading stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. You can't get it. Why? You got to rewind to get it. What? Right? You mean you want to you hear it? You read it so fast, like nobody's oh. sitting there with a pen okay. writing it down. All right. So, here's so the... you should just go right. to drdrew.com, Okay, and right? the Hydrolyte banner, you get 30% off uh, if you use the code DRDRW. But drdrew.com is where they need to Everything's there. Yes, please. Go there. Everything's there. Everything's there. And for me, it's rehabbob.com. There you go. So then all the other stuff that we say is there. But the reason why is because I'm redoing the outside of my house, and I those things that advertise on television, the light. That don't need any electricity. Yes, yes. I was trying to get it, <laughs> and then I was like, I ran to get a pin, and then I was running, and, and I couldn't get it. But then I realized I have DVR. <laughs> I can go back and get the phone number of the thing. But if it's on, yes, you can do that with podcasts. You just stomp them into the ground, and you they just go flash back. lights out with back. no electricity. Yeah, yeah. Nineteen ninety nine for four. Yeah, there's all kinds of them too. If you go online, there's yeah. a lot of stuff. So okay, so here we are. Um, I'm feeling increasingly. Um, Disturbed about the opiate crisis. I know you now do the Don't Die podcast. Yeah, it's coming to Orange County. It's uh, the problem. It's been California's been safe from it. It's all been Midwest. From, from the and, dying or the yeah, the dying. It. But so, now fentanyl is being flooded into Orange County and San Diego County. Yeah. Yesterday or day before yesterday, the largest bust of fentanyl in American history was in San Diego. What a thimble! So it's come, a thimble. That's all you need. Eleven thousand five hundred <laughs> doses. doses. How much? How many people could you kill with eleven thousand five hundred doses yeah, of fentanyl? The Thirty thousand. God, easy, easy. thirty thousand people could die. Yeah, it's crazy. So it's here, 
I think the L.A. gangs are holding off on it because they have these machines of bringing the tar heroin They don't want everybody to die. They don't want them to die. Maybe they don't want their customers to die. That's they don't. Yeah. But Orange County, San Diego County, it's starting to tick up. And and I've been crying the alarm for two years because I went to Ohio. It's crazy. Well, speaking of uh, upset and uh, loss, yeah, this is yeah. depressing. Why don't you introduce this? I don't. Well, this I don't is have a, words. A guy I met at Cat's Deli a few years ago, the greatest podcast uh, about ad, uh, uh, addiction and use, using. It's Dave from the Dopey Podcast, and I love the guy. And he works at the greatest restaurant in New York City. Also, Cat's, Cat's Deli. Yeah. And how are you doing, Dave? I'm doing okay. That's a very nice introduction. It's very, a- very good introduction. But I mean, I'm not. I'm doing okay in that it's a sunny day and I'm sitting in the suburbs and it's beautiful. But I'm not doing okay because uh, my incredibly close friend and podcast partner and creator Chris uh, died about uh, 11 days ago uh, from a drug overdose. Yeah, yeah uh, which you know about, which is just yeah, fucking yeah. terrible. Which was- can I curse on this podcast? Yeah, yeah go ahead, please. Especially with is it okay. Like Okay, okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and so yeah, I and, mean, it's shocking, kind of shocking, because he seemed to have been, you know, the, the cunning, crazy nature of this illness. He had uh, he had what it takes to get better and continue to get better. He and, had both. Uh, he had left brain, yeah. right brain to addiction. So we met him ten years ago. He, he was only thirty three. I thought he was like forty. Yeah. He was only Dave and I. Talked, I know he's lived so long. He's lived so rough and but so we long. Were, that he I seems was dealing older. with him. Had I haven't worked at Los Encinas in eight years, and it, so it had to have been. He must have only been twenty or twenty one or twenty two when yeah. he was there. He was barely. He was just out. I think he almost. Didn't they, he was just an adolescent, essentially, a young adult. It's crazy. Yeah. Well, he was about as experienced with drugs as you could be. Well, and, and with the psychiatric hospital in the system and I, too. You know, he was an atypical. Dave and I have talked about it right after it happened. He was an atypical certain psychiatrist who we will remain nameless. Patient, intelligent, amiable, wealthy, like funny, interesting. Right? It's almost as if the psychiatrists love to get their claws in those types of people. Right, without criticizing the psychiatric community, I, I, Drew. I, I, Drew's yeah. rubbing his eye. That means I, he doesn't want to talk. I, I just, about I don't it. know what to do with it because you could also look back on that and go, "Hey, they got him through, and he's way, it was way better and doing great." And so I, right. don't, I don't know right. what to make That's of it. That's the thing. Yeah, but he gravitated it, back so and easy forth to look between at... the two worlds. Go ahead, Dave. Well, he he seemed to be doing so well. He had gotten at least four years together, if not four and a half because who knows when he started using yeah he was just such a deft liar you know the the phrase in in 12 step that always comes up is the constitutionally incapable of being honest phrase pops up in my head well Uh, when that happens together yeah but but there is a whole medical practice who reinforce that constitutionally incapable because they say, oh, those people don't know. They're too sick. You got a psychiatric illness. Yeah, so he was he was getting his ID. He was in training. People that don't, didn't listen and to the podcast, I would suggest embrace, you... I think he was starting to embrace those visions of addiction. Well, hold on. Well, maybe. And I, I, and I, I would urge you to all look back on previous Dopey podcasts if you want some of the most honest, yeah, open discussion. Yeah, it is the greatest yeah, when it th- comes this to is, this sort of thing. This is two guys that have been through it, understands this thing and all its facets, and are hap- we're happy to talk about it. And one of them has been now taken away from us because of this illness. So when I heard it happen, I said two things. Psychiatrist. 
Well, I went first. Come on now. So, so hold on. So first I went, I went, oh my God, that sounds like a suicide. It just, it doesn't seem right to me. I mean, this seems so destructive all of a sudden. And I asked Dave and he went, absolutely not. Then I went, oh, well, this is how all our patients die. He saw a doctor. Yeah, yeah, that, and, yeah. And, and yeah, lo, and behold, lo and behold, guess what Dave told me? Yeah, he so probably had something. So Dave, what happened? Well, I don't know that he saw a doctor. I know that his girlfriend has suspicions that he saw a doctor, but what happened was he got hurt. He got injured on vacation. He was uh, managing a sober house at the same time. So the question is, did he see a doctor and score pain medicine? Did he take Suboxone off one of his patients? We don't know. I don't think he went from nothing to everything, though. Now, I think now, there was had no, to have been there, a slip, but we don't know what steps. it was. Now, there's Dave, Dave then started looking back and wondering, huh? How? I wonder. Give, you know, a guy in solid recovery that gets an injury doesn't run to a doctor. So I'm wondering if he was already in trouble, and then that that leads me to, oh, well, then that then it's Adderall. Then it's Adderall. It's either Adderall first, then opiates, or just straight opiates, right? I mean, Bob, well, that's the story. I don't too. think benzos I, too, though. Benzos. I, but let me are just everywhere. say something. Let me just say something yeah. about Chris. He really was in quick. school. Need to concentrate. Up, Come on, go ahead, Dave. He, he was, but he was diagnosed with this ADHD. Go, like my God. Ten. Go, but I don't he, care. He's he was a, like on Adderall. He was on Adderall when he was like twelve. I don't think he's going to be getting prescribed Adderall in, in graduate school. I just don't see it. No, and they, I, I mean, like, they, I talk to this they, guy but many they, times a day. I just, but I, don't I know. But I deal with a you lot know? of IDs, and they, they all just trade Adderall to stay up to do their schoolwork a lot of times. And Dr. Blum, who we worked with for years, talked about residents taking, what was it, to get through residency. Uh, what, so no, that. what was the thing that back then? The drug, uh, what was the name of it? Dizoxin. Uh, Ritalin. What? Ritalin. Ritalin. yeah. Right? So... So, but it, in the end, it doesn't matter. It's just another case, and I can list them. Chris Cornell, DJ AM, uh, Chester Bennington, uh, several friends of mine, hundreds of clients of mine. You, 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 it is a treacherous world, the yeah. medical profession yes, yes. and being a drug addict. Yes. Oh, it's a I, treacherous I, world. I, I always, you, you and remember. the dentist is treacherous. Absolutely. I, just, I would tell every drug addict I know, beware the medical system. Beware of it. And and now we have this intermediate zone where people are on replacements, where it's still beware, buddy. Just beware. They don't understand this illness. I when was the last time you and I ran into somebody that understands addiction? Think about it. I I go back and forth. I don't well, even but, understand. But let me say this. <laughs> let me say this real quick. <laughs> Chris understood addiction. Yes, man. he did. Chris yeah. understood yes, did. it. Yep. And he and he thought. And Bob, I know you're going to be able to relate to this. He thought he would say it all the time. If I do dope while fentanyl is out there, I bet it'll kill me, but I don't think it would kill me. Oh. You know what I'm saying? He was in this denial of his own imperviousness to uh, opiates. That was the big problem here, uh, more than any. I never heard that out of him. When did he say that? He said that all the time. I mean, he said, what he said was, I bet you uh, fentanyl would have killed us, Dave. Oh. But then he would kind of look at me and say, I don't think it really would kill me, though. Well, but I, <laughs> it's I just how thought, he I, was. See, he, I, I thought he was joking when he said stuff like that. You know, he sort of commented. He kind of half-heartedly yeah. was joking. But, but you know, I'm more concerned with the living. How are you doing, Dave? Because that's yeah. immediately yeah. when somebody dies of drugs, I think of their sponsees, their sponsor, their friends – that it's going to be somebody else that's going to get triggered to use next. I know you're solid, and we talked right afterwards. 
but it does have this effect of like, what is the point? I know a lot of my friends have died and I've thought, what is the point of all this? It gets you, it profoundly affects the way you think about things. What is the point of? Sobriety. So I'll give you an example. One of my Good friends about ten years ago. Jesus, are you going to relapse now? Well, it's possible. It's possible. (laughs) But you got to listen, though. One of my good friends who worked a way better program than me, which isn't hard. Sorry, Sorry. a way better program than me. Attended way more meetings than me. uh, Sponsored way more guys in a real serious way. Took the program utterly serious relapsed out of the blue still going to meetings so that mythology of you're not going to meetings though it might be true in some cases this is a mysterious illness that that is inside the the black holes of our mind Mm -hmm. and it will come out and somehow i've been most affected when my friends have used again Mm -hmm. i say it reinforces my dedication to sobriety but also like it's not drew always says it's an envy of them being able to use and get away with it Uh, it's just something about the whole thing becomes disillusioning well let me let me just be clear you taught me that you taught me about that now you've lost it that's not good seizes that i know it seizes everything it uses everything right it uses good and bad it just uses it to its advantage and it's because it's coming bottom up through your brain yeah, it's not coming top down. Recovery is top down. Addiction is bottom up. There's, so this these what, primitive by, by bottom up, Doctor Drew's referring to your subconscious, your way motivational below, system below, below, below. Yes, these biological systems. And somehow, I think the death of a close so, sober friend, or the relapse of close sober companions, sober buddies, and stuff, re in re-triggers that primal part of the brain in some way. It well, influences it, does, it. It, it. It I, makes it wake up. Say it's dormant, it makes it wake up. Well, it, here's what it does. I mean, you correct me if this is wrong, and Dave, you ring on this too. It goes, first of all, I told you. It's all bullshit. Nobody stays it, sober forever. Right. It's, it's all bullshit. Come with me. And then your antisocial stuff goes, God damn, well, it's not all worth it. Why did I? Why do I bother? So the two line up, right? Yeah. The, the, the illness is always going, that's right. It's all bullshit. Everything's bullshit. Come, come with me. Come with me. Join me. Right. Right? And if you have an antisocial streak, you've got to watch it then because that's another, well, why should I listen to them? I should just go with my instincts, <laughs> which are to use. Well, that's to It's use. such a horrible illness. It's so terrible. <laughs> and so, Dave, do, do, have you thought of, now, now he's describing what I felt like about 10 years ago. My antisocial thing now is better, everyone yeah. in America is on drugs. There's yeah. no way I'm taking anything. Oh, that's good. I like that. That that's what's like been that. working for good me for, for years. Good for you. Right. So how, how I, is you the way the way I look at it is I look at it like this. I I don't have the greatest program in the world, but Chris's fucking dying and relapsing it does it does not make me want to use. Good. It doesn't make me want to use at all. It like uh, you know, and I loved getting high. I loved getting high more as much as anybody or more than anybody. But I just fucking lost everything in my life. And I just got it back. You know what I mean? I have yeah, this, a beautiful you. little kid. I've got an infant. I've got an eight-year-old. We well, just bought a house. Good if for I you. get high, it's all gone. Yeah, you know, yeah. I love dopey. I don't want to fucking lie to, to the audience. I don't want... I love being sober. And I also feel like I couldn't get any higher than I was. It would just be bad. You know yeah. what I'm saying? There's nothing hey, out... There's no more mountains wh- to climb wh- why in you terms know of that? getting high for me. Why you know that and your disease lets you see that. I, I'm not sure, but that's a 
a very positive thing, right? Yeah, that's also, if you think, also you and I, like how long have you been sober? Eight years? No, uh, three years this week. Oh, okay, three years. Three years this week. did you have sobriety before? Yes, yes. But I never had long periods. Yeah, yeah. I was in and out forever until three years ago. Let me me comment about something. There was somebody that, uh, the whole Demi Lovato thing, got everybody all stirred up. We We can talk a little bit about that. But let me just, right. if you don't mind real quick, I want to get you an email, and I want to respond to it. Uh, it's To me, it's from uh, Kathleen. Uh, you said relapse is the rule more than the exception. You could not be further from the truth. I want to stop you right there. There's simply a fact, and this is a simple fact, that on average, it takes four treatments and five years to get one year of sobriety. So please do not distort what I'm saying. That is simply a fact. Being with long-term sobriety, relapse means death. Of course, of course, of course it does. I'm not saying it's okay to relapse. So be careful of your narcissistic sort of perceptions of what's being said. We're not. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking about the disease of addiction and the reality of the statistics around. You took 22 treatments. Dave, yeah. how many treatments for you? I can't even count. Probably <laughs> 11, 12. Yeah. 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 I mean, including public detoxes. I was probably in 10 public detoxes in L.A. alone. Right. You know, I was, I was I, in and out of detox a million times. You know, American so, Hospital? Did you go to American Hospital? Oh, he's out here? I went Get to the Pomona. shittiest one. I, yeah, I think it was American Pomona. Hospital. No, but he was out here? Uh, yeah. I, I, went, oh, I went to Tarzana. I yeah, was, I, Tarzana. Was, uh, I don't even remember. I was just in such a haze. I just went where it was free. So, so... <laughs> Oh shoot! Lost so so well, some I always go back to Samsa and and Nida oh, and the you... original things. A third of the people who hit bottom get sober right away. Remember, third a third a third was an idea uh, for in the eighties. No, no, no. Now no. say it's twenty percent. Uh, listen, I I can for instance in adolescence, it's very unusual to sustain sobriety. You know, at first treatment, I can only think of one case we saw where that happened. Jack. Jack Osborne, it's exactly right. right. And it was extraordinary. Extraordinary. We all went, oh, my God, what just right. happened? And so it's he's rare. He's still sober, right? Yeah. He's still sober, so Jack Osborne? Yeah. yeah. He's, yeah. he's sharp. Of, that he's, kid has oh, always been sharp. He's oh awesome. Yeah. But but the, there is these categories then. Let's not put percentages on them. Okay. Some people just take to the whole thing and the ideas right away, right off the bat. Yes. When introduced to them. Some battle with it back and forth but eventually most get their footing and embrace uh, and, and by the way we're talking about but then there's a there's i think it's growing just as you say yeah. the uh, the getting introduced and get it right away is shrinking the never get it is growing right and, and getting it is the key here right that's actually the term i would use to describe what we're talking about and we're talking about inpatient treatments not people that show up at an aa meeting we're talking about inpatient treatments um a, you know, people show up at an AA meeting, I don't know, probably same kind of thing. People come and go and finally try it and stay with it. But getting it, I had a patient say once to me, how do you give somebody get it? She was on her fourth treatment. All of a sudden, she got with the program. And she goes like, I was resistant. I don't know why I was resistant. And now I just get it. How do you give somebody get it? And we have no idea. Nobody knows the answer to that. Well, I had a similar experience when I got sober, which was it's it's drugs. It's really simply that simple. I What what I had gotten into was trauma and all the things and the yeah. steps and the yeah. smut, and it was just so simple, black, white. And then I had a client embrace that for, at Los Encinas, and he said, 
drugs bad, sober good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but willingness to uh, yeah. willingness yeah. to go with that I, is a thing. I mean, I mean, that's about as basic as it gets, right, Dave? Yeah, I mean, when I got clean, when I actually got clean this time, I was forty-one years old, and I figured I'd ruined half of my life. And if I was lucky, I was going to have another half of my life. And I wanted to have some say in the second half of my life. That's that was my thinking when when I turned my life around. Well, you know, and, and so, I, I, so and also like I never had anybody depend on me before. I depended on everybody else, and to have people that need me to do for them is a big deal for me. It is a big deal, and and please don't stop doing the Dopey podcast. We got we got to get you at least. You know, I don't know if you have a partner in mind, but just keep doing it for the time. Drew, I'm fucked. You, you got to set me up with some funny junkie in recovery. I'm Artie in big Lang. trouble. In recovery. Artie Lang. <laughs> he's on the Artie, Artie Lang is in the pre-contemplative mode, but he's right around the corner. He's, he's right. Sober, he's right there. He's right there. If he is sober. I would strongly recommend it. He is the funniest. I, you know. You, you know who I, you're going to have you know to place the call though. Wait, Artie's I, not like answering my text too often. <laughs> I know who you know. Be great with this. Be Colin Quinn. Oh be yeah, Colin lives in yeah, New York. Yeah, call Colin. What the fuck? Call Colin. Yeah. And so you know he, you got to carry Colin on. Quinn ignores my tweets. Hmm. Got to get Colin on the table here because he's not he's not communicating with he, me. He may not have so time. You got you got to hook me up. Okay. Yeah, he may not have time. I like the pre-contemplative. I know. I like the way he's mapping you, it out. You mapped it out. So. You know, I I just love the podcast, and I I I know that you're going to continue it, and of course Chris will be a, you know, he'll be in the ether of it. He's there. It was his idea, kind of, wasn't I, it? I wonder. I wonder if he should. I. I. Jeez, this would be painful, but I wonder if he should deconstruct some of the things Chris said on the podcast. Well, well the Doby has this dedicated following. They've been emailing me of things that Chris said and he sounded different. Why don't and then you find Dave, those? Did you see something that somebody posted where they said you said I was going to be a guest and they said they had been concerned about Chris and like, "Oh good, then Bob's going to confront Chris." Like that people listen to your podcast yeah, I saw that. with dedication. I saw you should find uh, out you Dude, our f- fans are the Yeah, I know. They no, please, Drew, please should, I'm listening. You should find the clips. And play them, and it's it's a good education for people to keep you know tune their ear to this illness. You know what I mean, right? So I, I think that I, it could be painful. Well, I want to say I want I want I want to put it on your podcast just how much I loved Chris. Like he was my best friend, and the show with him was the best time ever. Um, he fucked up though, obviously, and we're we're depressed that he fucked up. Uh, the podcast was my idea, but he was the joy of the podcast because he was King Dopey. He had <laughs> like, done everything you could do. He would yeah. he would draw a puddle water to shoot dope. He was ridiculous <laughs> junk. You know, he ridiculous. was the worst. <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> that's, when, when I met him, that's why I was so shocked at how young he was. When I met him, he already had those stories. Yeah, 22. Really. Right. He was already the worst. Yeah, it was crazy. He was already the worst. Exactly. So, so Exactly. You know, it's it, I you know, and I shared with you. I just I had some close friends die and I just I didn't go to the funeral. I just choose to think that they're just not around. I just don't see them cuz they were such a profound effect on my life. They're with me every day. And they died of addiction? Yeah. Shit. One of HIV and AIDS, but same. Same. God damn it! The same thing. It's same yeah. kind of deal. I went to Chris's funeral. I was one of the pallbearers, oh, and uh, it sounds cheesy to say this. It was like a real gift of my sobriety. Okay. Like when people used to say that shit to me, I'd be like, "This guy's full of shit." Yeah. But when I actually was 
be able to be present for my friend's death and carry his body, I felt like this was a gift of my recovery that I could do that. I could be counted on for my friend's family. It was very meaningful to me. Wow. Um, and what and what you're saying, Drew, in terms of like putting um, putting his story out there, assembling quotes and stuff. I think that's a good idea. I wanted to, you know, how like they used to like fake people on like Howard Stern and Howard Stern would put answer, like have conversations yes. with people. Yes. I kind of want to put that together oh with Chris God, and have be, fake conversations with, with Chris's ghost. That that's would, what I want to do. Oof, that'd be right. chilling, but, but he would love it. Chris would, Chris would love it. He would love Listen, it. Chris didn't want to die. He didn't want to die. Oh, Dave, you're breaking Other up. You're breaking up a little bit. Stop. You're breaking up a little bit. You're breaking up a little bit, your phone. But, but, yeah, he didn't want to die. There's, I don't know of a lot of junkies that do want to die. Some don't care. Exactly. That's, that's more poly Well, Bob said abuse. to me something really funny. Bob, you, you, Bob, Bob said to me, if, if he wanted to die, he definitely would have left a note because he was a narcissist like I am. <laughs> I've left so many notes. I keep them. Well, there, uh, we got to have. A, we haven't had a conversation about all the suicides out there yet, have we? You well, I think that's the because the no shame, notes. The shame that comes from it all. Well, is no notes crazy. are telling. It's yeah, no notes are are especially from the narcissists. You know. Yeah. So just what does well, no Chester, note mean? What Chester, does no Chester note? Chester mean? wasn't a narcissist, though. He left a note, didn't he? Yeah, he wasn't yeah. a narcissist. No, I know. Um, I know it, narcissists. No, 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 no. Right. No, that, no. That kid was as humble as they come. I know, Justin. It's unfucking believable. I know. You know, we've had a lot of deaths in the last year around here too, Dave. So we'll grieve with you. Every it's time all this, mental health. It's every all... time the word suicide comes up, I see Chester's face, yeah. and I'm just like, no fucking way. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. I do know what you mean. And, and it's crazy, but and these are all people full of life, which is hard to reconcile. Chris amongst them. Yeah. You know, how, how our thought thinking of them is those, you know, full of life moments we had with them. And yet, um, they are just, you know, biological beings like the rest of us. All right. I'm going to take a little break. Uh, Dave from dopey boys. Thank you so much, Dave. Hold on. We're going to take a little break. We'll be right back. Well, it's about time for athletes, trainers to report for the start of the fall season, but we are still dealing with that extreme heat. So even if you're training indoors, dehydration is a major issue for amateurs and pros. Water, sports drinks, they do not do a great job. I've known this for a long time. That's why I wanted to develop a product. Instead, Hydrolyte came along, so I strongly suggest you stay ahead of your hydration with Hydrolyte. The best way to stay hydrated is with a proper balance of sodium, glucose, and water. And Hydrolyte does this better than anything else I've tried. Everyone here swears by it. My wife, my kids, my patients. I use it if patients need rehydration. It's a way to replete hydration orally this gets you ahead of the game and so you can sometimes avoid hospitalization things in my experience hydrolyte comes in great flavors like orange berry and lemonade available as a pre-mixed drink a powder or my personal preference is these effervescence tablets you simply drop in a glass of water or a bottle of water literally uh, we don't leave home without these compared to sports drinks hydrolyte delivers up to four times the electrolytes with 75 percent less sugars hydrolyte solutions are appropriate for all ages and each bottle or package includes easy to follow instructions this is the best hydration product out there, period, and you can find Hydrolyte at Rite Aid or at Hydrolyte.com slash Dr. Drew, D-R-D-R-E-W. And for a limited time, our listeners can save 30% on Hydrolyte. 
just sent my daughter over to buy this stuff. She's like, I need Hydrolyte. I'm like, go to the website and use the code Dr. Drew18, D-R-D-R-E-W-18 at checkout. That is H-Y-D-R-A-L-Y-T-E.com, Hydrolyte.com, slash D-R-D-R-E-W-18. To use that code, get 30% off. You won't need any other hydration products. It's the best. And we are back. We're talking about the Dopey Boys and the... Chris, who has left left us. Let's talk some good stuff. So one of Dude, like please. like I was getting to Chris's here. favorite guy who he had always wanted to have on Dopey was Artie, and he just yeah. did it a couple weeks ago. Right, Dave? and Dave, I got to yeah. compliment you. There's some some comedy people in here in L.A. that listen to that, and they're just they've all told me like that is the funniest podcast in the world with Artie. Yeah, uh, we so listen. that's why we got to get really? Artie. That's yeah. awesome. And so there's just something magical about not something about dopey. And I, here's my experience. So I met you that day with the family. Right. And then I listened yeah, to, uh-huh. some, then I listened to some dopey things. Then I started talking about it to some very close clinical friends of mine mm. who were so anti it. Why? Because it romanticizes using. No, no, real. it doesn't. It, it humorizes. <laughs> not you, obviously. It humorizes it. But, but people, that, that, you know, I would be. I'm skeptical that those people know what this is. If they, if they, what the illness is and what the illness needs. If they don't, they're very it. codependent. There's okay. a lot of All people right. who work in treatment who are very codependent. But this, they, they're in that Dunning Kruger world of everything's an outrage. Hey, you can't, you can't joke about that. Well, it's that. Like, Dave, no. Dave, didn't you guys get some negative commentary from the sober community? Yeah, from the treatment community, we got a little bit of <laughs> shit, but we got way less shit than we expected. The codependents, the patients, the addicts. I, I this this whole idea of changing the nomenclature of addiction—that's the codependent caretakers again. Because the my, my patients love being called junkies once they come to terms with it. They're like, yeah, yeah that's what I was. That's what I am. That's all right. So so anyway, so then. The reaction I got, like from clinicians, like they don't like that dopey podcast. I was like, "Well, they know about it. That's interesting. So yeah. they listen to it, hating it. That's <laughs> well, interesting." To be fair, <laughs> these guys are a little harsh on clinicians too. They are yeah. because they manipulated them. And well, and just, Chris did. Yeah, Chris. But did. but so so then well, that's, yeah. that's when I was on the show and and realized who Chris was and that, you know, and it's just been a love affair for what, about a year and a half, two years. And it is the funniest podcast and you can't stop it and you got to keep it going. And I know it's a hard time for you to try to figure out. Well, what do you guys gonna... ever talk about it? If one of you dies, what you're going to do? Cause that ju- that's what junkies talk about. Yeah. yeah that's <laughs> the most, well, that's the most fucked up piece. Chris always said, if I die, if I relapse and die, I want my friend Todd to replace him. But unfortunately, my friend Todd overdosed and died seven oh weeks ago. Oh my fucking so god! The two of them, the two of them are dead in two months. Todd, I used with more than I'd ever used with anybody, and he was the funniest motherfucker Should you could ever, ever meet. Heard, uh, and then Chris, you know, Chris named the fucking replacement to be the biggest junkie of all, who was already dead by the time he was dead. So <sighs> I'm left without a replacement. But that's some classic dopey shit right there. <laughs> you know, it's just very typical for me. <laughs> Uh, I have what to was say it? though, well, also, if that, you um, were to die, I, if you were to die, who did Chris want to have replace you? No, he said he couldn't do the podcast without. Me. Okay, Chris, oh. Chris was a slacker. He, he could. Chris <laughs> wasn't the guy. He Chris was like the ultimate fucking foil, the ultimate wingman. He had every piece of information about drugs, recovery, and psychology that a person like him could have. Yeah. And then he's also funny and had the best stories. But I, I always wanted to have a show. So in some ways, Chris 
you know, made my dream come true mm. and ha- helped me have a show. And then he left, which was very sad. But the outpouring of our fans who I made a joke and called our fans the Dopey Nation on our second episode. Love it. And it totally stuck. And the Dopey Nation, it's like our, our downloads have like tripled since Chris died. I kind of wish we had faked his death a year ago so he could have seen this whole thing. He, he would have loved it. You know? yeah, Chris would have loved it more than anybody. Why don't you interview people from the Dopey Nation in Manhattan? There's, yeah. there's a lot of people there. And do some interviews, you know, share some ideas. Just you got a lot of stuff you can do, Dave. There's a lot of creative things you can do still. You, you tapped with, into something which, you know, I always say, once after the AA meeting, we used to all go to Canada's when I first got sober the yeah. first couple of years. And all we did was talk until 2 o'clock in the morning, stories like Dopey. Why don't you have a Dopey Nation, like, booth at Cats? <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. yeah. Live from Cats. Yeah. I don't – I think we should we should leave the restaurant out of Dopey. Dopey and the restaurant should never meet. All right, well, somebody no, nobody should know about that. Yes. <laughs> um, somebody, some booth somewhere, no. like Larry King, you can have the Dopey Nation meets every Tuesday or whatever, and, yeah. and do a little podcast. Yeah, so funny. Well, let's let's talk about. No, I'm going. We have there's a ton of listeners who are going to be telling stories and yeah. I have a bunch of guests who are coming on right, and it's going to be, I mean, your friend Steven Adler is about to come on. Great. You know, we're going to try to poach as we're going to try to poach as many, uh, you, of your guys' please. friends as we yeah, can and just see what having, we can do. If you're having Steven on, get ready to hear about the four truths. Oh yeah. Oh my God. He's a fanatic about this book called the four truths of oh, the, the agreement yeah, yeah four, four agreements four agreements four oh agreements. my god yeah. he's he's got a phd in the four it's really, agreements it's really helped him so we're all for it yeah it's uh, crazy uh it was weird i was watching some tv show and they mentioned the four agreements <laughs> and then i called steven and the first thing he said was the four agreements and i was like whoa that's trippy man and he was like yeah that's the four agreements man it's trippy <laughs> He was just so funny with it. It's so crazy. He's the best. I mean, uh, who could have planned that? If I would have known that on Celebrity Rehab, I would have gotten the four agreements and given it to him. Of course. Who could have planned that That's that so book would funny. change his maybe, life? Maybe Busey could. Maybe, <laughs> yeah, maybe we, we got to give it to Gary Busey. Uh, oh, my gosh. He would like that kind of thing. So, so let's talk about grief because you said you were going to grief counsel Dave a bit. Right? Yeah. The, the thing is, you know, it take you don't it, it with my father's death. Like I, I don't think I really grieved it till I got sober. It was sure like, you can. It was like twenty years after he died. Yeah, and I one and of the many I, things you have to address after you get sober. And right? to me, it came through music. A lot of things always come through music. And I was listening to a a song, and it reminded me of my dad. And and my mind opened up in ways that it was trapped. Mm. Right, because mm-hmm. you got all the prejudice of a dysfunctional family yeah. and all that, and out sprung just pure love and how much oh. love he had for me. Mm. And I hope you know, Dave, that Chris had such love for you. I think, you know, in in magical ways, you guys were connected. You know, and that somehow you got to access that the love instead of all the conditions and all the situations and. There's something about it, right? Right. That you know, no, it's and, bittersweet, Bob. You know, it's bittersweet. It's painful. You know. Yeah, but I, I now that you've kind of put it where I understand it, Chris could have never had a podcast because no. he wouldn't know how to hook up the microphones, right? Or he would never get around to right. it, right? Right. It right. took the two of you, like as a whole, to make yeah. a whole, and 
and it's it's just devastating it's it's very sad and but somehow in the end with my dad the most important person in my life it was just this thing of like how much he loved me right how much he sacrificed for me how much how much hope he had in me right that's what at the when i was ready to grieve at what happened right and so right i don't I, think i think, the, I think the, people think grieving is a sad boohoo wear a black veil thing it's it 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 is be. that yeah. but that's what you're doing all the time anyway yeah yeah you know how many times i said my dad killed himself when i was, I was 15 you know how many times? You know how many clinicians lit up in rehab? When did I did said he kill himself? That? Well, he stopped taking his blood thinning medicine for the valves. Why? He didn't like the way he was living. Is the only thing I can conclude. I mean, he didn't. He wasn't a real sharing guy. But what had happened was Curly Einboden, his best friend, had had open heart surgery too. So they both became kind of invalids. If you remember, in the mid seventies, you had open heart surgery. You were you weren't going to be going back to work. Right. Right? Right, right, right. And so they had each other, and then Curly killed himself. Oof. They, and and so then my dad just had nobody, and then stopped taking his blood thinning medicine. Mm. But those are just details. It's just a matter of of he was alcoholic, depressed, trauma survivor. But in the end, you got to let go of all that stuff and just know the connection with the person was so profound on your life and that they loved you so much that's what i learned but you know it's important to get to that stage what are the stages drew you got bargaining well, yeah i mean you don't, you don't have to go through each of them but there's you know what is it anger bargaining denial all that stuff i think it's they're the explaining is a big part of it i think david spent the last 11 days explaining right you had to explain right. it. You had what to explain is bargaining it to me and what's the bargaining in grief Bargaining is uh, I'll do anything. Can you hear me? Yeah, it's sort of it's. I, I my understanding is it has several sort of features to it. But anytime you're trying to make a deal with either not having a feeling or getting the person back, or you know, if I could only, you know, whatever for two more minutes, just talk to them. It's sort of a bargaining. Makes sense of it all too. I think know. I've been intellectualizing. Left brain's a good place to go when you don't want to feel. Yeah. Right. And that, but the explaining felt a lot. I've cried a lot about this thing. The explaining went a lot. How'd you find out? Oh, that's one of the the craziest pieces. Um, You know, I was on the phone with Chris late uh, on Monday night, and then uh, and he was acting. You know, he was in an argument with his girlfriend, uh, and because he basically he had been drug tested. And he knew the drug test was coming back positive. Uh, so he was in this crazy fight because he wanted to, he was using all over the place. He had drugs in his car. He had drugs hidden in the apartment. And the theory is that he wanted his girlfriend to leave so he could get high. Um, but he was getting high anyway. But right. he was on the phone with me, kind of hysterical about the fight and, uh, and kind of feeling badly because me and him hadn't been getting along. Because he had been so high, he had been putting off me and putting off Dopey, and he knew that's not what he wanted to do. So by the end of the night, we had this very beautiful conversation about our next moves and this and that, and that I was there for him. Um, because I could tell he was not himself. And then, and then he said, call me in the middle of the night because uh, my girlfriend won't leave. And I said, okay. So I called him in the middle of the night. He didn't answer the phone. And then in the morning at 6.30, I texted him. At 6.31, he texted me back that he was okay 
that things weren't good, but things would be okay, that he was alive, he texted me. I'm alive, which he never would have said. And he said, I'll call you in a few hours. Four hours later, his girlfriend calls me and says she found his body. And I didn't believe her. You know? Were you the first person? She said, I found Chris's body. No, no. She called his sister and she called nine one one. She was she's a she's about to be a doctor at Harvard from Harvard. She's in Harvard oh, Medical that's School. Right. I remember this, yeah. She called the uh, Yeah, you remember Chris yeah. was telling you about yes. his, his beautiful plans for the future. Yeah. Well just you know. What does she think about all this? She's fucking going through it. Yeah. She is going through it. She is in, in she's in grief counseling. She's uh in therapy. Uh, I, I suggested she go to Al-Anon oh, or Narcanon yes. or something just to had, pass it along. Well, and, the fact and, that she had not been going, ugh, you know what I mean? Dealing with somebody like Chris. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Well, I think Chris had her very much snowed because by I the time it. I get it. By the time she met him, he had four years clean. Yeah. Yeah. And she never had an addict in her life like that before. And Chris could get over because Chris could talk clinical to her. Yeah. Yep. 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 See, Holy it, moly. Yeah, it's a very treacherous situation. I uh, just ugh. God, immediately I want to know what happened between six thirty and ten. Jesus, that's how. Well, I is. bet you he got off the phone and he got high. You know, and, and they found him with a needle in his foot. You know, and um, and it just—it's just so crazy because this guy was so like he was physically big. You know, he was like six foot two. He was very broad, and, and he was just so full of life. And to imagine him cold and stiff, it's just such a scary thought for somebody. I mean, for anybody, but Chris especially. He was just a very warm, lively person. Uh, right. And when you think about what he survived, it's, it's got to be fentanyl again. Yeah, it's it's gotta, gotta, it hasn't come back yet, right? Yeah. I told you about... I don't know. I don't know. I told you about the friend of mine, Please. the friend of mine who... Um, you know, he's been dabbling again, and, and I called him. It's and, a treacherous time, well, man, but, between, but, so between the pot and the Adderall and the painkiller. It's just so – and the benzos. This guy so had eight years sobriety. Get this. So I call him because a friend of mine said, please talk to him. I want him to come out here because I know how hard it is to get sober again. Very few people are able to I do know, it. I know, I know. And so – and he's like, no, there's – you know, I'm here in Florida, and there's sober living. going to let me stay here. So so then I heard he was using full on. So I called him or I texted him and I said, dude, call me. And he calls and we talked for about two minutes. I just said, are you doing dope? And he's like, yeah, but not, you know, not a lot. And I said, well, know <laughs> that, know that you're not doing dope. You're doing fentanyl. Yeah. And he goes, no, no, no. I got a straight connect. I know I'm not doing fentanyl. And when it came back about six months later, he died. He only fentanyl in his system. Perfect. No heroin. Perfect. So they're, there's, they're dealing fentanyl saying it's heroin. It's cheap. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, I think you can only do that in the East Coast. Right? Why? Because it's white. Because so it's white powder. Here is tar heroin. Mm-hmm. I mean, right. you know, it's easier to do in, in, in the East Coast because they're sense. all used to white heroin. Right? Isn't that true, Dave? Yeah. I, I bet you. But I bet you if you're in L.A., and you say, I got this fucking uh, ch- this powder from the East Coast. Californians will be psyched to do it. I know that yeah. when I lived in Los Angeles, if somebody ever had powder, I was like, cool. 
You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's it, it'll call be it easy China to hide. They call it China there. White, but I don't I don't know that it's from China. Well, now it is from China. If it's fentanyl, fentanyl yeah. they it actually yeah, is that's China fentanyl White. White. <laughs> fentanyl White from China. That's funny. Well, no, they always called it China White, but it was so stupid because it was not from China, and it was barely white. It was like it, who knows yeah, where tan. It was like, you know, it was like gray chalk and. Uh, yeah, and it wasn't from China, and it wasn't white, but they called it China white. Now it is from China, and it is white, and they just call it fentanyl. Now call it heroin. But let's let's, if you don't mind me switching That's gears, hysterical for one second. Um, people want us to talk a little bit about Demi Lovato. Yeah, uh, and, and Dave, I want to include you in this conversation just in case you have. Can some I thoughts. just give you my take on? It? I Go think ahead. she she relapsed a long time ago. Oh, of course, and uh, it was you know it was a statement about our industry. Yes. That a little girl who doesn't know her ass from a hole in the ground, I'm sorry, is is a destination point of rehab. Now, Betty Ford was a little different than Demi Lovato. Well, I... I the celebrity but culture I, here, around rehab. But a little... But I would argue that Demi had other mental illnesses, so she became a... You know, she had eating disorder, she had bipolar disorder, she had cutting, and so... Why other, should she be the marketer for a rehab center? She should not be. And and that I don't think any of these people should be. <laughs> so to me, the fact that she had a sober coach when I first heard she had a sober coach, I went, okay, well something's wrong with her sobriety. You at four years in, you don't have a sober coach. Dave, you agree with me on this? Yeah, I'm with you. So Do that, they have that was- sober coaches in New York? I, I, I think it's an LA thing. It's I don't think it's, it's a music. A music no, Bob, music. guess who? Guess who is? Guess who was a sober coach? Chris, oh. right, right oh. up to the minute he was, yeah. Oh my Chris god, Chris was a sober coach. Oh no, oh, no, no. Well, that again. <laughs> oh my god! But that tells you about that. That can also be why he went out too, because people being a sober coach is too intense. I thought it was for people just an in early LA recovery. Well, I don't know if he was actually. Let me make. I mean, let me make this clear. I'm not sure if he was a sober coach, but he did do a bunch of sober companion jobs. Yeah, that's what. Is that the same coach. thing? Yeah, yeah, same, same thing. thing. Amen. People should have autonomy okay. several years into their sobriety. So she's got a weakness in her sobriety, so she relapsed. She also wrote a song about how tiring it was to be in sobriety. You're, you're complaining the same thing right now, Bob. And it is hard work. It's and emotional. Okay. It's yeah. not tiring. Well, whatever it is, she was tired of doing it. And okay. And she tried it her way, and guess where it goes? And oh, here she is. And so, good. She'll get better, right? Well, I, I just, I, I'm. You know, I don't even know who she is, to be honest with you. So, I, I met her once. So, she, she's really so, a lovely kid. She's so really I'm sure all those Disney kids yeah. are lovely. But 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 what I'm more focused on is I work in an industry that can take a little girl like that who, with 90 days sobriety and and use her to market a That's, rehab. No, 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 no. And then and th- here's what's more shocking to me, and it shouldn't I, I, be. I, I it shouldn't be be in the age of Trump. Yeah. But. People want to go to that rehab that that little girl from Disney Channel, who's ninety days sober, tells them to go to. This is insanity yeah, yeah. to me. Yeah, it is. How the well, rehab but, industry but, has allowed itself to be marketed. Well, the fact that she had that dual relationship is unconscionable. Number one, but number two. But so does Waller has it. So do all these people. Number two, we live in a time when people don't don't trust experts. So non experts are are prime to be followed right now, and experts aren't. I can't trust them. Well, celebrities. That everybody wants to trust celebrities. 
And uh, and we're talking about capitalism. You know what I mean? We're talking about like but what writing kind of a person check and goes, I'll say what but, you want. But this goes – I don't mean to interrupt, but this is a real passionate issue for me. Lindsay Lohan was given a scholarship at a rehab in Malibu whose name I will not say. And the conditions were that she promote the rehab on Oprah Winfrey Sheesh. and have this like red carpet – discharge of which all the paparazzi were invited at the gates of the rehab who now that's all fine because the recovery industry is one of the sleaziest industries i've ever been in and i've been in the music business so that's saying something so glad but 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 what kind of person goes i want to go to the rehab that Lindsay lohan just got out of People that are desperate and don't know any better and don't want to get well, frankly. Bob, we're talking about junkies. Yeah. <laughs> you know, a junkie wants to go nowhere. Yeah. It's like, okay, I'll go to where, where Lindsay Lohan went to. Yeah. Mom, you send me there. Lindsay Lohan yeah. said it was good. I'll go there. I, I had but a, but I, the I, truth is with this stuff, we're talking about a spiritual solution to our, our horrible problems. And it's very hard to advertise spirituality yeah, effectively. That's right. You know what I mean? Like, oh, how yes. do you do it? I'm going to North Korea how do you, to How do you capture somebody well, the I right mean, way? I, I have a rehab. Here's what it is. I've worked in this industry for 22 years. I'm a certified chemical dependency counselor. Now you have I'm to call yourself a, a substance use disorder I'm not counselor. a substance use disorder. I had an <laughs> argument with a doctor. I've, since I've, well, yeah. I saw you, I forgot to tell you. So I did this thing with the, this panel thing you with told these me about doctors. This. And the, I said, what is... Does that mean that there's people that use methamphetamine substance yeah. orderly? That, that aren't addicts. Yeah. <laughs> well, don't use the word addict. That's pejorative. So do you follow me, Dave? Because if, if, if you're going to change addiction uh, yes. to substance use disorder, that means that some people know how to use heroin and methamphetamine correctly. Oh, Jesus. Isn't it true? No. Logically? It really, logically, it's true, but it's not true. <laughs> what they're trying to do is parse out... Frequency of use, onset of use, co-using. They're trying to break it down into minor, minor categories so they can use it for research. So maybe there's differences amongst the different categories. That's all I'm saying. Why somebody can use a lot but control it. Why some people lose control but immediately. But there already was. A, I, I'm with you. Listen, ASAM already had a continuum of dude, early stage, uh, yes. it late, but they middle don't stage, late stage. They don't buy that necessarily. They made, well, they, I, I went right from early <laughs> to late, right through it over but, a 10-year period of time. How about you, Dave? Did you start in an early stage where there was no consequence from, you, from your substance use and then got into a place where there yeah. was, you know, some fallout, some stuff was starting to go wrong, but you continued to use, and then you got into a late stage and nothing was going right and you continued to use? Yep. Is that what you did, Dave? Yes, I would say that described my, my <laughs> that described my experience pretty well. Why yeah. do we need a new description That's, of it? It's always the same. I, I, I don't know. Listen, I, I listen. I'm not one that needs. I think nomenclature is a good thing. I, I really don't. But um, all right. So, so you, you, you so I just feel sorry course, for the right? because I think the Demi Lovato was misled by m- yes. these sleazy people. Yes. Right. Possibly. And I don't know. and. You know that, uh, Dave. Don't you don't? Do you know what I'm talking about? We talk about it all the time on the Dopey Podcast and on Don't Die and by ourselves alone. Wait, by the way, let me just say, I sent somebody over to Cry Help recently. Had a great experience. Yeah, it's the greatest. So there are Cry great Help programs. is the greatest. Yes, if you can get somebody to go there, right? And so that's but but there are still great programs. <laughs> Watch out there. how great it is, Dave. You ever been in Cry Help? No, I never went there. Oh, I went there twice. I never, I never went. Chris, Chris, Chris went there. Chris went there. I was never there. But, yeah. but uh, you know, I, I was so consumed with uh, 
with uh, my friend dying that I didn't even hear the Demi Lovato story. Not to mention that I never heard a Demi Lovato song. So I, <laughs> I'm very old and out of it. I don't really know anything about it except that she's famous and she uh, relapsed. Yes. You know, that's all I know about the Demi Lovato story. That's about the whole story. Um, And she apparently was bad, by the way. Three days in an ICU, man. Three days in an ICU. Yeah, so that means... And then a week in the hospital. So that means aspiration. Endocarditis or something. No, I think aspiration. I think she's probably aspirated. I mean, if she was shooting drugs, yes, that's a possibility. But but, it sounds like aspiration. Found down. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's sad. It's sad. And, And, you know, I just think that so many desperate people are turning to an industry that is so sleazy that that when you're a well, celebrity, you will be exploited by oh, that Oh, absolutely. Industry. We've seen it again and again. But, Bob, I'm not sure it's spotty in terms of what my profession is. And then we get the criticism for being exploitive. And we're not doing it on a professional basis. All the people that came on our television show wanted to and were fully informed. And we asked them over and over again, are you sure you want to do this? Yep. And and afterwards, they didn't feel exploited. They felt like it was a positive experience. Yeah. So and, and many of them are well. Well, I, I feel like I feel like Demi Lovato and Lindsay Lohan and these people with unlimited funds. Somebody with actual experience should approach them and say, "Stay away from all the bright lights and take them to someplace where it's quiet and calm, and they can well, get the real information." Clearly, and then maybe they can pass it along in right living. Clearly, Lindsay did. I mean, yeah, somehow doing way she about, just got out by of the America. Way, <laughs> I wonder. If, you might have to get out of America to get away from to, the have, sleazy recovery. Industry. Have you talked to Michael lately? No, but I've I been think, seeing I her. I think you would be amazed. Oh, him? I think you'd be amazed. So I figure that may have something to do with why she's doing better. Mm. I, I'm just saying. I'm just saying for the record. Well, I mean, I'll go on record. Yeah, then. Michael's become a, as outspoken as me against the recovery industry. Absolutely, and but that he was a part of it. So were you? <laughs> didn't, didn't that doesn't that tell you something? <laughs> yeah, it's got to yeah. change. Has to come from within for yes. sure. Yes. But what do you do about these people? Just inform the public. Like, listen, nobody with ninety days sober should be working in treatment. Nobody with ninety days sober should be the representative of a rehab. I will just nobody with you. ninety days sober should do anything but go to meetings and drink coffee. And uh, smoke cigarettes. When, uh, when uh, <laughs> make phone calls. When yeah. Mike... See, now I'm going to get criticism about the smoking cigarettes. Yeah, I know. Chew, chew Nick right gum. <laughs> Nate That's just a... looked at me. <laughs> so, so the if you remember when Barry Blum, our co-director, right. I finally got him gaffed into the program. I approached him at three years sober, and he knew to ask his sponsor Murphy. He asked everybody in his team. They all said, "Not ready yet." For year four, I came back around. He didn't know whether he was ready or not, but he had a solid enough program to know that his brain shouldn't be making that decision. Year five, I right. went to him, and uh, his team went, yeah, I think you could do that. And and then he understood why now, once he got involved in treating addicts, how challenging it is and why he was uh, not allowed to begin getting in the program until until he really was sober. I think I think probably – How old was he? Uh, in his 40s, late 40s in the beginning. Listen, I'll bet somehow Chris did come to our unit, but but I I don't remember him being on our unit. I think he more was in the locked unit. No, I saw him at 2 East because I did the groups up there. I think we were consulting on him and stuff a little bit. Yeah. I think that's what it was. But he knew where the real unit was at Los Encinas, and he avoided us like the plague, right, Dave? Remember he talked about that? 
Yes. He also would talk about how he was he was in groups with you, Bob. Yeah, he was. And he would tell you all sorts of bullshit, and you would laugh at him. And he just thought that was like the best counseling he ever got was you laughing at him. I'm telling you, addicts, they need a sense of humor to get well. (laughs) I'm telling you, it was. No, that's for sure. Working at Lost and Seen Us was such a blessing. I mean, so many fun things went on there. They're 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 never. You're never going to have a rehab like that ever again. It's I'm, impossible. I'm sorry to say you're probably right. Right. On so that happy note. Chris got to, but Chris got to go to the funnest best. Yeah. Well, Dave, we're going to come visit you in New Here, York. I, I'm going to come see you, all right? Please do. I would love that. Can I ask you guys a really weird question before I go? Yeah. yeah. When I, I don't remember it very well, but it was about, I want to say, 10, 11 years ago in Los Angeles. I think I was at a Tarzana Recovery Center. And I had a counselor who was the bass player for John Sebastian for the Welcome Back Cotter theme song. Right. You know this guy? Yeah. Well, I know Alan Sachs, huh? who produced Welcome Back Cotter. Yeah. I, I, the bass player yeah. from that track was the guy who basically started me on my path to recovery. Wow. I don't remember who he was. He was a great dude. And I just want to thank him. If you ever see that dude, say what's up to him and thank Absolutely. him for me. Yeah, I think he was a part of MAP. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Stan, remember Stan Galperson who ran that program? Stan, he's still there. I know. Yeah, yeah. And so I, you know, we'll send something out to Stan and see if we can. We'll figure out who it is. But yeah, that, the, you know, and that's that was the greatest era, the 80s and 90s in L.A. rehab with MAP and Music Cares and Exodus and Lost and Seen. I remember the first time I went to Lost and Seen to pick up somebody, uh, like I was sober for a minute and I was picking up somebody to go on a path to go to a meeting and they were in the swimming pool and I was like, what kind of fucking great rehab is this thing at a swimming pool? (laughs) If you you remember, we had to call people out of that pool all the time. All right. Well, I funny. love you, Dave, Dave, and I'll see you soon. We're here if you need us, Love right? you guys. All right, buddy. Take care of yourself. Thank you so much. Right, oh, tell, peop- tell people to go to www.dopeypodcast.com and tell uh, Mackenzie Phillips she's come on Dopey. Yeah, well, right, we'll, we'll get her, her on that. We'll talk to her. All right. Yeah. We'll see you all next time. Dopey. Thank you, guys. Have a great, great day. All right, Dave. Bye, Me guys. Too. Thank hey, you. Bye-bye. Dopeypodcast.com Bye. or whatever. It's all the right. greatest podcast. And you and I'll wrap, and we'll uh, see everybody next time. Yeah, see you next time. All right, that's about it for this episode of This Life. Check us out at KBC, me and uh, Lawrence Vaughn, 790 Midday Live, Talk Radio, Monday to Friday. You can also tune in every day live via the magic of the internet at kbc.com. If you miss it, we've made it simple for you to find all the shows at drdrew.com, the Adam and Dr. Drew podcast, the Zinc One I Do By Myself, Dr. Drew podcast, This Life, of course, with Bob Swole Patrol, Mike Cantho at his new health and fitness podcast. You can uh, find us on Twitter at This Life Podcast, at Dr. Drew, Derry W, at Rehab Bob Forrest, and of course, our lovely producer at First Lady of Love. I think I know who that is. If you love this show, please subscribe and tell a friend. We appreciate it when you do. We'd love to hear your feedback as well. Send us a message. Join the email list at drdrew.com, drdrew.com slash contact. You'll also get a weekly uh, email from us on that. Uh, while you're at it, at doctor.com, please support our sponsors by clicking through the banners. We only advertise products that I can get behind. So thank you for supporting them, those that support us. And thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.